welcome everyone to episode number one of the Try A New Frequency with Amber podcast. I will start out every episode typically with a music video in mind uh, to either go over individually with someone else as a co-host. And today I have a co-host with me, Darian. He's a friend of mine. Hello, Darian. Hello, Amber. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you got it. I'm excited to have you on. And I'm very grateful for everyone else that's tuning in right now. My goal with the podcast is to challenge old ways of thinking, to provide a safe environment for different opinions, and to discuss older music videos. I can't believe, though, Darian, that I am actually having to reference 80s and 90s music as the oldies. When did we become old? Seriously. That we've been old for a long time, Amber. I don't know if I'll ever totally accept that. I'll, I'll be 80 and talking to you, Darian, and being like, no, we're not old. It, that is true. That's the, the perspective, yeah, has changed over the years of what is old and versus old. Or you listen to the radio station, and they'll have the oldies on, and they'll start playing 80s music, and you're like, wait, this is the oldies? They're playing, you know, Motley Crue, and you're like, wow, I, that, I don't feel that old. Exactly. And when I think of oldies, I still mentally think of the 40s or 50s. It, oh, yeah. I think of my grandparents. That I don't think of you know the 80s and 90s. I think it was just yesterday. Exactly. Well, then I'm not totally out on this island by myself. Good. <laughs> so to get started today, uh, Deary and I both watched the music video uh, from Alice in Chains. It's The Man in the Box. And it's the first single from Alice in Chains' debut album, Facelift. Man in the Box was released as a single in 1991. Where it started out for me was when I saw the band performing in what was supposedly a barn throughout the video. And then the mysterious man wearing a black hooded cloak is like roaming around the barn. And then I just found it really unique that he's going around all the stables with the animals. And then he shines his flashlight on the man in the corner of the barn house. What was your overall take, Darian, on the video itself? I love the video. It's uh, it's very descriptive. There's a lot of uh, also cues in there talking really about because the video is about animal cruelty and censorship. So it's really so by listening to it, you can go through step by step and see that. You know, it is a typical '90s video to me. It uh, you know, it's blurry, it's a little bit more in, intense, and there's really more of a story behind it compared to some uh, traditional music today where there's a bigger theme to it where you don't see that as much. There's still storytelling going on, but with the 90s music especially, there's more of a thematic type of approach to the music, I find. I agree with you. And I put it all together at the end of the video. So everyone out there, I did see what ended up transpiring. I think we all do. If you watch the music video, I highly suggest if you're wanting to keep up with us, pause, go watch the music video that's in the show notes. I have it posted in there and come back or you can watch it after and know what we're talking about. But at the end of the video, Darian, holy cow, when the, the hooded man pulls down that off of his head to reveal that his eyelids are sewn together. That freaked me out. Why did that freak you out? It just grosses me out. It made me think of the movie Saw. 
for some weird reason. <laughs> <laughs> I did not get that at all from Matt's. What I got from that is very graphic detail of really what as a society we have our eyes not just closed but sewn shut that we are set in our ways and we even if we could look we don't want to look at things that's beautiful let's quote Darian on that that was perfect (laughs) no I really I I get I get what you're saying there and for me I'll be honest Darian I'm struggling right now with eating meat personally I'm even going to the grocery stores. It's like ever since my spiritual awakening, it's really a unique process that I've talked to my mom about it recently, but I'll go in front of what I used to think was really good. Chicken, steak, nothing sounds good, but salads. And I think it's because there's such symbolism behind animals now in their eyes and that I just can't get that out of my subconscious. And it's making me question if I should become a vegetarian. And I know my mom became one. And a lot of people in the spiritual realm have. So I'm just fighting this internal struggle, you know, of what I used to like and where I'm at today. Have you ever went through anything like that? Debating whether to be a meat eater versus be a vegetarian. Yeah. Uh, You know, uh, over the years, just with, uh, for various health reasons and trying, you know, uh, change diets, I've tried more of a vegetarian and even a vegan diet. It hasn't been for really ethics or animal ethical animal ethics as a a core belief so no i I haven't had that i mean my belief really is uh i take it have a different perspective growing up as uh hunting and fishing being respectful of the land and of the sky of whether it's ducks or fish deer uh, whatever it may be but uh being respectful to the land and then uh being respectful to the animal, being able to use the animal for, for meats and for other items uh, as such as, as needed or required, but, you know, not over consuming as well. That is one thing that over the years I have decided not to do is to being able to over consume because really that wasn't a necessary thing for me to be able to do, but no, there hasn't been an ethical dilemma that I've had about being a meat eater, I am perfectly fine with uh, eating meat and understanding my role within that. Well, you know, it's funny you say that. I'm sitting here like portion control would be all about another episode. I swear, with how we are here in the United States, people overeating, but we'll stick on subject today. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole topic of, I mean, even looking at plate sizes of, you know, where if you have older dishes, in a cabinet versus newer dishes. So go to a store today and buy new plates. They're double the size of what plates were when this video came out, the plate sizes and because our portion sizes are much bigger. Oh, totally. I don't know. This was unique. I always do a little bit of research with the videos. Did you know that Lane tattooed on his back, the Jesus character depicted in the video with his eyes sewn shut? I did. You did. Well, see, I'm learning things over here. Another thing that stood out for me, and I know, did you realize there was such censorship with music? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that censorship is, and it's not just a modern phenomenon. It has been, I mean, music has been censored for for many, many years. I mean, because typically uh, people who made music or wrote music were really talking about societal change or uh, things that were were wrong I mean, whether it is uh, heavy metal 
rap music, uh, you know, just to name two things uh, off the top of my head. Yeah, a complete censorship. You know, it reminded of, uh, I can't think of her name now. It was uh, Al Gore's uh, Tipper Gore. And Tipper Gore, you know, back in, you know, the, the Gore-Clinton administration talking about censorship and about um, appropriateness of music. So, yeah, censorship and music really go hand in hand. Well, and I, I sit there and think about how cool it is these days that we're able to actually hear and watch the music videos, um, especially the ones that we did during the times of like the 80s and 90s because people were really able to express themselves and provide answers in ways that others may not notice, I guess, unless they're fully present and paying attention. Again, back to what you mentioned, Darian, uh, with the government and the media control and the public perception of events in the world or whatever, you know, and they build you into a box, I feel like, and that's what I felt the video was going into by feeding it to you in your home. In, in TVs, you know, on the radio, it used to be. I think the goal is to break out of that box and looking outside of it, that of which has been built for you. Are you referring to media or government? Both. Yes. I mean, where there is the, I mean, there has been a significant change within how media is presented, you know, uh, at the time of, of this music video in 1991, when uh, Man of the Box came out, you could turn on your TV and there were really a limited amount of sources of, of news. You're, you had uh, paper still, you had you know two or three sources uh, on TV and those were all trusted sources of, of media. Now, you, know, you step into 2021 and media is no longer controlled by a, a small subgroup uh, within, uh, within media. The, the downside to that is that there is not then a lot of checks and balances. And so anybody then can create a media company. And, and so you can have, there's not a lot of checks and balances to what the, the news may or may not be, or uh, verification of, of sources or of news. And it's really become more about bias and opinion in the newspaper section, you would read the whole entire paper. And then the back part of, of every newspaper was the editorial or opinion page. And now, you know, you turn on TV, a you know, TV station and it is for the most part, it is that editorial slash uh, opinion section, which isn't necessarily good or bad. It's being able to differentiate between what is opinion versus what is, is fact. Just because somebody on, you know, a news station has an opinion doesn't make it fact. It, they may be persuasive. I think people have forgotten the lost art of debate and of, of persuasion is that this person on TV is persuading you to be able to believe something uh, that they want you to believe. I think people have gotten too soft, Darian, these days. I just noticed it's like, you can't say certain things without offending someone. And I'm not going to, you know, go too far beyond that. But I, what I find really crazy that stood out for me, you brought up 2021 and 2020 to 2021 to me was wild with censorship of our own president of the United States just really gets to me how there's such a critical need to censor Mr. Potato Head and Dr. Seuss now, and like to not focus on things that are more important which for me is like the child and sex trafficking. So I just, I don't know. I just feel like there's too much censorship going on 
what's your thoughts on that? Oh, I think there's always been censorship, and I would uh, would disagree that that we are soft. I mean, I believe every generation in history has believed the current generation is soft, and I just I believe that's more of a generational component to it. And you know, I believe in when people talk about sensitivity of words or language, uh, you know, the 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 downside to this is that what was publicly acceptable to to be uh, said in public is uh, much different, and there is a less tolerance of racism, of sexism, of you know transphobia, things like that, where more people are recognizing that what words are are there. There is racism. There is sexism, and you know you're not able to say certain things in the workplace. You're not able to say certain things, uh, you know, to to people online. I think that is completely, you know, appropriate. Do I think at times, you know, we have gone too far? I mean, there's a, uh, you know, the idea of a war on Christmas. You know, there's no such thing as a war on Christmas. It's, we've never stopped being able to say Merry Christmas. If you want to say Merry Christmas, I mean, it was really business that drove the idea of saying Happy Holidays because they didn't want to end up uh, alienating one group of people. So, Businesses started saying, say, hey, instead of happy or Merry Christmas, say happy holidays, because there were so many different groups of people that were, uh, you know, coming in. I think when you're talking about the president and censorship, you know, the idea of and that leads into a different conversation about uh, tech and, and large tech and being able to control that. And the idea of, you know, should there be a committee or a group that ends up uh, deciding, you know, if someone says something that is uh, considered to be uh, hate speech or is uh, potentially illegal, you know, uh, do you take a, a temporary ban, uh, you know, or, you know, a lifetime ban on a social platform, uh, you know, whether that was needed or necessary, not sure. If, if that was the most appropriate move. Now, I would say a ban for a, a period of time was appropriate, but then after a period of time, as, but specifically in regard to your statement about the president, you know, after that, then would it uh, be appropriate now to have that person be able to be back on the platforms? Uh, you know, that's a bigger question. I, but there is censorship that's there. It's just who is doing the censoring versus who is not. Well, that's the thing. I think it needed to be put in place, kind of like when you start a business. You should have all your checks and balances, you know, everything set up front. I get business and stuff changes, but it feels like I think it just got really weird the way the dynamic went. And it caused a lot of mass confusion, you know, with big tech. So I think there's a lot to be said there. That's another entire conversation. I do believe that our past president, you know, should have open access clearly to all platforms. That's my personal opinion. I don't think anybody should be fully censored unless they're hurting, you know, other people. That's just my stance, but we'll move past that. Um, One one last thing on that though, just to be able to say, because, because we were talking before about media and about how media has changed where everyone can be their own media company. I mean, everybody can have a, if they choose so they can have a, a blog, they can have a podcast, they can have a YouTube channel. So that, uh, interestingly enough, in that case about the former president, you know, start a blog, start a YouTube channel, you know, do these things. So no one is stopping, you know, that but person from doing that. It uh, there was the recent though blog that ended up being discontinued. That wasn't anything due to, 
you know, you, you buy a, you have the ability to go online, you develop the website. And, you know, my understanding, it wasn't due to censorship, why the blog ended. Yeah, he's got a website now. I do know that his own website, which keeps everybody up to date on. So it's pretty cool. I suggest people going and checking it out. Doesn't matter, you know, which side of the aisle, if you're in the middle, wherever you're at, check it out. It's worth worth it, you know, since they did do all the censorship there. What I wanted to ask you, though, Darian, when I started thinking about the animals, because, you know, I'm from a small town in Iowa, and saw animals all the time. I didn't have any at my house in town of uh, 1,500 people, but uh, farms were like all around. So whenever I'd go visit someone, typically I saw a farm animal, but it made me think of like a zoo. Like what's your opinion and thoughts on animals in the zoo? Everyone kind of has different stances on that. You know, I'm perfectly fine with animals in the zoo. I mean, I believe that uh, from a, a public perception is that, you know, we are housing these animals for our enjoyment, which is true, but we also are doing a lot of research on those animals and have found, you know, I've been able to have animals that are close to extinction, be able to come back from extinction because we've had them in a, in a zoo uh, that way. So we've learned more about the animals uh, in many cases be, because of that, you know, now there's been controversy with, uh, some of the animals at SeaWorld, as an example, and you know, life expectancy of animals uh, do decrease uh, when they're in captivity versus out in uh, in nature. Uh, you know, and I would believe that if some if an animal wasn't able to uh, to survive on their own, uh, that to be in in a zoo or some form of captivity would be would be okay because you're still preserving that life of that animal. Uh, but then you can learn from that animal as well. Yeah, from my, from my standpoint, it's, you know, and each person's going to be different and I don't judge on people's opinions ever. For me, it makes me kind of sad when I see the animals, like it's too small of a space. But then again, when they need rehab or, you know, a safe spot, I feel like zoos are good for that. But like you said, uh, learning. And I remember when I was a kiddo that I saw more things on the news about animal updates, you know, and different things that they would find out. And I don't feel like we see that these days. I don't know. Do you? It, yeah, the information is out there. It's, you know, one of those cases of, you know, as a child, as an example, you know, I had the Encyclopedia Britannica in my house and it was a finite number of items that would could be in those. And, you know, the door-to-door salesperson would come to your door every year and trying to sell you the most updated information and updated books where right now you have a phone right in front of you and you have that access 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So I think the amount of information we have is much, or we have at least access to is much greater. So I think the information is out there. It's just not as common as it used to be. Right. I think they focus on different things these days, clearly. (laughs) You have children, so I don't. This is going to be a question for you that I thought of with this video in censorship. Okay. So people, you know, trying to censor particular topics or items from kids, but in my opinion, and we all kind of know it, they're going to hear it anyways at school, hanging out with friends. I would think a parent would want to correct or like help give their kid an answer to their questions versus another at school uh, or just hanging out. 
What's your take on censoring the, the radio and television due to the issues for some of sex, drugs, and rock and roll? Yeah, sex, drugs, and rock and roll have been around a long time. People thought that Elvis Presley's hips were going to uh, ruin uh, culture. So, I mean, that's been around. And ironic is that now when you, you know, go into senior communities uh, or you know, senior uh, citizen events that uh, Elvis Presley is now uh, one of the most popular, uh, you know, shows around. And you're like, but wait, you wanted to censor this years ago and now you're enjoying an Elvis Presley impersonator. But, uh, you know, I don't necessarily think that uh, limiting, you uh, you know, sex or drugs or language is necessarily censorship in, in the way that, because uh, you're you're talking about the, and, you know, an adolescent brain and brain development and being able to go and still where, you know, certain images by certain ages really should be limited just because of the uh, personal development of that person. So, you know, a person who is subject to violence at an early age uh, is is much different uh, later. But I mean, I have a unique perspective because both my kids uh, are in martial arts. On a Saturday night, we may have on a UFC fight in our house and it is really not that, you know, big of a deal. It's just normal. It is mixed martial arts. It's uh, both my kids are trained in, in that area and understand what they're doing. And so many of my friends would say, oh, that's really violent. And uh, you know, they shouldn't watch that. And I think, wow, twice a week, <laughs> they go into a uh, into a gym and go onto a mat and they do things that are violence twice a week. So, you know, it's a, so it's a different perspective on that. So we don't typically censor things like the UFC because it's something that they've experienced and that they've known about. So, uh, you know, in the context of understanding, uh, especially when it comes to sexuality, you know, being respectful to, one is uh, being respectful to yourself much of the lyrics that are out today uh, are, it, whether it's versus I mean, male or female, are overtly sexual. So wanting to be able to take that and be able to have people understand that this is a not just a sexual object, you know, a woman or a man is not a sexual object, but is a person at heart and is, uh, and that is a part of life. But uh, sexuality is to be taken a little bit more seriously in that context. As I'm over here laughing, because the first song that comes to my head is WAP <laughs> when you mentioned that. So I, I'm getting that out of my head right now. Um, there, you know, the big thing for me is the violence. That was a big part of why the media wanted to cause, you know, censorship before they were saying and all the research I was looking at. But there's no evidence showing that violence from the media causes stable people to become violent. And some people believe censorship is the key to like a successful society. And it is important to keep in mind, though, that we have the freedom of speech, you know, in the First Amendment of the Constitution. And if something's going to cause harm to someone, it's not allowed, uh, which is understandable. It makes me think of, you know, yelling fire in a public space. That's not appropriate. Right. You know, and people have a different perspective, though, on what really freedom of speech is and, and is not. You know, there is protected speech versus unprotected speech, like symbolic speech is protected. You know, when you end up, that's why, you know, 
flag burning is still legal in the United States because it is considered to be symbolic speech, you know, and where for many people, especially we have this hypervigilance since uh, 9-11, I believe, about uh, the spark in nationalism. And so people have become hypersensitive to nationalism. So if there was to be a protest uh, against what the government was doing and a burning of a flag, people would become uh, highly outraged by that. And But it's it's protected speech. Now, on the other hand, hate speech is, is not protected, but it's really vague within the uh, constitutional law about what is and is not hate speech. Uh, like when you said about the fire and, and yelling fire in a, uh, in a theater, you know, that is considered to be illegal, but the ability to then, uh, the process of then being able to get that person uh, to prosecute it and then to be able to then end up, uh, I mean, there would have to be a long process before it would really be constitutionally tested. So it, you know, if there's an intent to, I mean, that's where for many people, if there's intent to be able to hurt, I mean, you really, and even intent, you have to have, like when it comes to speech, you have to say for it to be illegal, I would have to then give a speech and say, all right, Amber, I want to have you come to my house at 6 p.m. tonight, and we're all going to meet and we're going to go down to the courthouse and we're going to uh, start the courthouse in our city on fire. And then if you were to do that, and then you were to end up going out and doing it, that would be then unprotected speech. I mean, along with the other things that would be uh, crimes that would be committed, but and that I could technically then be charged with, uh, with, with my speech uh, because of my intent. How do you explain that out? That makes a lot more sense with the symbolism. Just in thinking right now, with not having kids, I mentioned that before. One thing that I thought of earlier when you were talking was that I feel like kids sometimes, though, can be so isolated and sheltered that many times they'll end up misbehaving or like acting out, for example, when they go to college or when they're given the freedom to do so. And sometimes then they don't fit in due to being so sheltered. I mean, do you think that there's much of that? What? I don't think it's necessarily sheltered versus uh, not, I mean, sheltered versus not being sheltered. I think it, you're talking about, uh, I believe it's more in line with uh, brain development and the idea that, you know, uh, the brain isn't fully developed until much later. So here you are in life. So here you are 17, 18 years old, going off to college or doing other things. And you're 18 years old and someone says, let's do X, Y, and Z. And you're like, yeah, that sounds fantastic. But seven years later, you probably would say, no, sorry, I don't want to do that. That sounds really dumb. I don't want to do that. So, uh, you know, that in part just may be impulse and lack of brain development. I mean, a nine-year-old will do things, uh, will say yes to things that a 14-year-old will say no to. So, I mean, it's just uh, because through some of that has been life experience. I mean, a nine-year-old saying, hey, let's uh, take my skateboard down this really steep hill and not have a helmet on. And the 14-year-old will go, oh, no, I broke my wrist on this uh, on this hill. I'm not going to do that. You know, with you saying that, that makes me think, though, that kids maybe have more understanding than our young adults, because that's where I'm really focused on the shelteredness that weren't allowed to date, for example, or weren't allowed to cuss or just had all these restrictions and then finally they move out and they go wild because they're given the freedom and sometimes that can really end up being a bad thing I just think that it's something to be mindful of for my thought is is 
know, I can't tell parents what to do, but there should be a happy medium between the two where someone's, you know, not sheltering too much, but also not letting them just run. <laughs> it, right. I mean, there is a balance with that. And I think that's hard and it's a, it's a moving target. And where, you know, at me personally, I uh, collect wine and I have a, a child that is uh, going to be entering high school soon. And my friends will say, you know, what are you going to do with your wine collection? Are you going to lock it up and are you going to uh, control that amount and keep track of what, what you have and what you don't have and what's been used or not? And I said, absolutely not. Uh, just because of the fact that, you know, for all these years that I've collected wine and had wine uh, in my house, uh, my kids have seen a level of respect that I have for for that and being able to go. Now, could they go off and end up, you know, going on a tear and grabbing three bottles of wine and drinking them and, and uh, you know, and having a uh, exciting afternoon or an evening with three bottles of wine? Sure, absolutely, they could, you know, but it's uh, some of the things I, I can't control. I mean, if I had a thought that, uh, one of my kids were going to do that, I would do my best to try to talk to them beforehand about it and what's driving that decision and why would they want to do that? Because they see me watch videos and go to events and uh, wine tasting events. And so they understand the complexity of what this is and uh, you know what and how to enjoy it from a different perspective. So it's not just alcohol. Thank you for sharing that. And I asked you that kind of intentionally, because I know that you and your wife do such a good job parenting and people can learn. And that's the goal of this podcast, you maybe to give an idea or two, someone to have a takeaway from the episode that may help them, you know, in their personal life or with their kids. So I appreciate you answering that. Now, one thing I did want to ask you, so with censorship, the other night I was painting, you know, I do abstract art paintings. And personally, I would be so bothered if someone tried to censor a piece due to what their impression of my piece was when I go into them with no defined goal or sense of creating a particular item, except for my signature, which is the symbol with the three hashtags. And sometimes I have like a little X there, but many people see so many different things in my paintings and can create a story with the pieces and it's fun, but it could be censored, Darian. And I thought about that. I'm like, just because someone sees what they perceive as something, which it's not, should it be censored? That's a, a great question. I think the typically the you know, definition of, of art is you know the the story and so if you unintentionally create something that becomes censored well one is that censorship if you've unintentionally created something and it becomes censored is that art is it censorship you know where typically because with art there's an intention you know the with whether it's music i mean the first band that i can think of uh that was censored quite a bit was uh rage against the machine and being able to go and uh interestingly enough uh paul ryan a former uh u.s member of congress for the state of wisconsin uh said in an interview that he loved to listen to rage against the machine and rage against the machine came back and said uh please don't support us because we don't support you so it, i mean it's the idea that you know that music and art is not censored is uh i just don't think about it. i think they go hand in hand of being able to because 
it's really pushing societal norms. I mean, that's what art is supposed to do, whether it's Picasso or Monet or Rage Against the Machine. I'm not making them all the same, but being able to have uh, and, and push change and make change. I mean, think of post-World War II and the Beatniks and Jack Kerouac being able to go, you know, people forget that people came back from every single war. And then there was a subculture of people that were created. And some of the greatest writings of post, uh, you know, World War II and Korea were created by the beatniks. Good points taken. I'm, I'm kind of offended, Darian. You know, you said Picasso, you're giving all these artists and I'm like, where's try a new frequency with Amber? Where, where, where's that at in your list of, you know, people out there? I'm sorry. I didn't mention that. <laughs> And I'm not trying to sell my art, you know, right now on the episode. I just thought that was funny. I'm like, what? You're you're missing out. As you can see my art behind me, you know, in the background of my video. But um, I really appreciate your answer on that. It just really hit me the other day. I was going to write a blog about it because I fear that that could happen someday with my art because anybody I talk to will see different things. And one of mine that was painted up to down, I don't go into it with an intent. It's all about frequency and my brain just processes and does things differently. And people say that and they can see it in my art. But I know one day I saw an upside down face like Martian and my brother saw a horse. And like, I mean, people see all sorts of different things in my paintings. And I just, I would never want to offend anybody because it would never be something intentional with my abstract paintings. And I would also not want if someone saw something of sexual, you know, nature for it to be censored when that wouldn't be my intent. I mean, I think you focus on a, a great point about intent is that in general, when things are censored, it's because uh, that person was telling a story and the story was controversial. I mean, you bring up a valid point about if something were censored when that wasn't really your intent. I mean, I haven't had the experience, uh, nor do I know of, of things that were created that were censored uh, because it was taken out of context of what that would be. Typically things get censored because someone or you know someone writing or a musician or a band is intentionally trying to raise red flags. I mean, there's a, a song by uh, the Dave Matthews band called uh, Don't Drink the Water talks about the history of uh, really a power and control and of how uh, native lands were were not our land and were taken away and that uh, the land was completely disregarded. I mean, much of American history is censored in a way that really creates a bias towards our form of government and our form of economy and, you know, creates that. So that is in itself, I mean, the story of George Washington and, uh, you know, the, the apple tree, all those things are really are made up they're not real i love that you said that i notated that down darian don't drink the water dave matthews bands when you come back on that's the one that we're gonna have to discuss next time i i would absolutely love that you know when it comes to that that's the it you know and censorship to me is is what is the intent of the censorship what is it that the that what the government and governments are usually the one that are censoring things uh, in most cases, you know, what is the government trying to do? It's usually uh, there's a purpose, whether it is uh, advocating for war and then somebody is writing a, a different opinion about it uh, or not covering uh, the news accordingly because uh, 
there's only one side of the story that's being told uh, to be able to intentionally create uh, this fear that's there. That, that can happen. That's happened in American history. I mean, that's real. That's not a conspiracy theory. That is something that uh, has happened on a regular basis. I mean, especially with things like World War II. And uh, we're just talking about this at dinner the other night and about the Lusitania being sunk and really uh, how that created this fear within the U.S., uh, about the Germans attacking us. And really it was, it was not what we thought it was. Well, that's where I'm going to challenge people. I always like takeaways. I think people need to really start doing more research when they're looking at history, even what's currently going on, because that will be history at some point and knowing the truth of what is. I know that's something that I'm a big seeker of. Uh, some may call me a conspiracy theorist, but I'm always saying give good six months to a year and we'll see, you know, what ends up being conspiracy or not. So it was so awesome having you on today, Darian. I always value your insight and input on so many different things. And each week's going to be different. I've got Madison coming on next week. We're going to discuss uh, Cindy Lauper's Time After Time, really upbeat song. I'll put that in the show notes as well. So if you're watching one video, you can watch the next. So when the episode comes out, uh, you'll be right up to speed. Until the next time, reach out if you have any questions. I really appreciate everyone going on to my Facebook page and liking. We're almost up to 200. So thank you. Thank you. There'll be a link to my website as well and other social media platforms. So what I'd like to send everybody with is like and love.